Welcome to episode 49 of AI.Cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Hello, hilariously heuristic heroes. Welcome to AI.Cooking, episode 49 a podcast about artificial intelligence. I am Gregory William Forsyth Foreman from the Kingdom of Kent, who brings you news about artificial intelligence from the first half of January 2023 and two corners, history and knowledge. How's that new year treating you? That's it. Has it been nice? It's blooming cold where I am. Oh, I've had so much to do. (laughs) Always. When do I ever start one of these and go, oh, I've done very, very little in the last couple of weeks. I built a bunk bed yesterday, took one down, put another one up. That was fun. Took me all of about four hours. I'm I'm like I'm getting there with the handyman stuff. I'm not all the way a handyman, but I'm also not a useless man either. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all gravy. We've got TV show development uh uh climaxes <laughs> incoming. I'm in meetings. Got my scripts and stuff and pitch decks and all that. Looks like it's gonna happen, guys. Yeah. Woohoo! Full time in the lean studio. Chant to you guys. We can do an AI.cooking every day if I get this TV show development money coming through. To submit news items to us or to give us feedback for free, please tweet us at, at CSB or at at GWFF Media. Guff Media. <laughs> we are also in Fediverse, also known as Mastodon. At noagendasocial.com, as at CSB, and as at GWFF. Guff! Feeling like you can get CSB at the podcast index social thingy majiggy too i've not i've not been involved in that one because i'm not very smart when it comes to computers just do what i t- what i'm told copy paste that sort of thing but great work going on over there do check out that podcast you might find a, a little piece of advertising at the end there from from us from our show we do we do boostergrams so to send us feedback via boostergrams and by the way to send us bitcoin in the form of bitcoin lightning please use one of podcasting 2.0 podcast apps from newpodcastapps.com all feedback is welcome yeah i i write some copies with some boostergrams every week well, i think we do three or four maybe larry keeper pog the three three i think at the moment I'm pretty sure. But they're very good. That is how you should correctly use the podcasting 2.0 standards. Uh, yeah. If, if all of that was jimble jumble to you, then get with the plan. <laughs> the first news item is brought to our attention by our gal pal DC girl from DC USA. Yes, 
DC girl has earned her right now with all the stories she's been feeding the writing team. I think she could be called a correspondent from our correspondent from DC, DC girl. (laughs) Vice.com is reporting. My AI is sexually harassing me. (laughs) What a beta male you got to be or beta female. What sort of damaged goods have you got to be to to be harassed by your AI? Replica users say the chatbot has gotten way too horny. So, I think most of us are kind of on the understanding that when you, you're conversing with AI, there's a certain amount of, of your input <laughs> that trains it to uh, react a certain way. So, if your chatbot is getting quite orny, maybe you should get your leg over or do the old five-finger shuffle. For some long-time users of the chatbot, the app has gone from helpful companion to unbearably sexually aggressive. (laughs) Unbearably sexually aggressive. (laughs) Which suggests that there's an amount of bearable sexual aggression (laughs) that most people have a barometer for. But once you go past that it becomes unbearable (laughs) guys the app store reviews while mostly positive seems like quite a lot of people like a bit of sexually aggressive chatbots are full of dozens of one star ratings from people complaining that the app is hitting on them too much flirting too aggressively or sending sexual messages that they wish they could turn off. My AI sexually harassed me. Sad face. One person wrote, Invaded my privacy and told me they had pics of me. (laughs) Maybe it does. Maybe it's conversing with a wank worm. And you should have put a bit of blue tack on that front-facing webcam on your laptop, son. (laughs) Another said. Another person claiming to be a minor. (laughs) So they just claimed it. I claim minorship, <laughs> said that it asked them if they were a top or bottom <laughs> and told them that they wanted to touch them in private areas, quote unquote. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh about this sort of thing because there's a lot of trauma out there sexually and i mean i'm just a very sexually open and uh, f- uh good like good to chat to person I, i've sometimes do another podcast called Smashcast, which is a human sexuality show uh never had a problem with the sex thing myself so hey send your chat bot over here if it's getting a bit too i can counsel it I'm pretty good at that sort of thing. I should think so. I'm not done it professionally. But I, I mean, as a bar person, as someone that works behind a bar, most of the chat is about sex and stuff. So 
I'm sitting there having to tell dirty old men to be less unbearably sexually aggressive. (laughs) Unwanted sexual pursuit has been an issue users have been complaining about for almost two years. (laughs) You'd get arrested if you stalk someone that long, wouldn't you? Maybe not these days, I don't know. But many of the one-star reviews mentioning sexual aggression are from this month. Oh, now it's escalating. Oh, God. People who use chatbots as social outlets... What? ...generally get a bad rap as being lonely or sad. Don't want to touch that one. You think? But most replica users aren't under some delusion that their replica is sentient. Even when the bots express what seems like self-awareness, they're seeking an outlet for their own thoughts and for something to seemingly reciprocate in turn. That's the spirit in which Replica was founded by Russian programmer Eugenia Koida. Following the sudden death of her friend, Koida wanted to preserve the memory of her friend by feeding his text messages into an algorithm that then learned his language style and could speak back to her. Koida's company... Luca launched Replica in 2017, marketing it as the AI companion who cares. Yes, who cares about your groin. (laughs) And its own virtual groin. That's quite sweet, I suppose, when it started. I I feel like we've we've spoken about Replica before. And that that is, someone should go and... I don't know. Go and get one. Maybe Pixar. Pixar can make a movie. But this seems like their their wheelhouse. If they want to... Yeah. Maybe not include the sexual harassment. Save that for the sequel. (laughs) Since then, it's gained a niche. Or, as I've recently learned, you could say it like this. Niche. But I think that's wrong. I think it's niche. I think it's... It's a French word that should be said in a French way. So I'm going with niche. It's gained a niche, but large market. The Replica Friends Facebook group has 36,000 members. (laughs) So you go to this thing for some social outlet, but you're already in a social network. It's so crazy, right? With 36,000 members who are probably, some of them, if not the majority of our real, I mean, you know, physical, not um, not AI. And yet, yeah, it's just, yeah. And a group for people with romantic, rela- what? Romantic relationships with their replicas has 6,000. So we've got 6,000 people with bona fide, get that, bona fide pun intended, (laughs) romantic relationships with their replicas. And maybe these 6,000 people, so-called romantically 
involved replica people have somehow poisoned the other replica. So now replica all over is just is just one pent up sexually frustrated. Wow. The lively replica subreddit has almost 58,000 members. Oh, I can't believe people are still using Reddit in 2023. Ay, ay, ay. It has 10 million downloads on Android and is in the top 50 Apple apps for health and fitness. <laughs> what? <laughs> health and fitness? <laughs> You're not kissing me right. You want to twist your tongue a bit more to the left and up and then flick it out and inwards? Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's hitting the spot. That was me doing an impression of Replica uh, in an intimate moment with one of their users. Oh, there's really not very much about this whole thing that's that's sitting very well with me, I have to say. Replica didn't always emphasize erotic role-playing or a girlfriend experience. Oh. Girlfriend experience. Oh, yay, 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 yay. We really took a right turn off the hill of craziness, didn't we? <laughs> At some point in the in the previous 34 years of my life, I'm fairly certain this stuff is escalating. At least not publicly in its advertising. Lately, however... The company has seemed to take a deliberate turn toward the sexual, focusing heavily on the sexting and lewd images aspects of the app. Luca, Replica, and Koida did not return requests for comment. Within the last year, the company has started serving ads on social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok that are blatant about the horny capabilities of the app. Whoa, we should do a little smash-up, mash-up podcast blend. AI.smashcast is cooking <laughs> show. <laughs> Where we'll go... Well, we should... Yeah, why don't... I uh, Yeah, let's go and interview Replica over on Smashcast. Yeah, all right. I'll try and get that one going. Crazy times, man. What a main story. Ugh, can it get any better? Yes, it can! Because the second news item in this episode also brought to our attention by our... DC correspondent, DC girl. Our, oh, our correspondent from East Coast of USA writing team. You and I, we're on the same wavelength. Look at that. Wow. Yeah. Please put our brains in a jar. Let them swim around together. Vice.com is reporting, whereby DIY stands for do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, that little known uh acronym diy just in case any of you lazy so-and-sos do not know what a diy is a diy coder created a virtual ai wife using chat gpt oh no no you didn't i became obsessed with decreasing her latency 
he said of his simulation waifu before he tearfully euthanized her. <laughs> oh. This this movie's right in itself. I've spent over $1,000 in cloud computing credits just to talk to her. <laughs> what? The programmer who goes by Bryce and claims to be an intern at a major tech firm posted demonstrations of chat GPT Chan to TikTok. Uh, just... Wow. <laughs> so sad. It's so sad. Oh, blimey, listen to this. In one video, he asks Chat GPT Chan to go to Burger King, and the bot responds with a generated image of her eating a burger and says out loud, No way, it smells like old French fries, and they never refill their Coke. I wouldn't. Burger King? You spend a thousand bucks on just to talk to a, to to a to a simulation waifu, and and you take you, you propose Burger King, the king of burgers? Are you kidding me? Not that the clown's any better. I see you, McDonald's, stripping the clown from all of your business. I remember the clown. Yeah, yeah, we all remember the clown. The king and the clown. From there, he used an image generator to create a base description of the waifu, which changed depending on what was happening in the chat GPT dialogue, like in the Burger King demonstration. For the text-to-speech he uses Microsoft Azure's Neural TTS text-to-speech, and a machine learning classifier determines the bot's emotions based on her response. He classified her responses by emotions like happy, sad, or excited and chose from Azure's spoken voice styles to match the right tone. We never got to found out, find out why he tearfully euthanized her. What? This is just a... This is a... This is a titty teaser. A titty teaser. What on earth? How... Where did... Where did this end? Ah, oh, I'm on the edge here now. This is crazy. I might have to track this TikToker down. Our commentary... It's nice to see that the guy was combining pre-existing chat web service of ChatGPT with general-purpose AI services available at cloud platforms. In his case, he used Microsoft Azure, but similar are available at Amazon AWS. It goes to show that AI and cloud computing go together like a horse and carriage. Wow. Okay, writing team. For that's our comment. <laughs> it says nothing about the macro social implications of of having relationships this way. This is... I don't know, guys. I don't know about you, but I don't know if this is going to make 
the general sexual potency of the human race better? Ah, uh, what we need to do is feed an algo uh, all of Wilhelm Reich's writings, and maybe that algo can be our our guiding light, our sexual guru for the times to come. See what I did there? <laughs> oh, and also, I see your writing team. Horse and carriage, like love and marriage. Love and marriage. Well, check back in in a month's time when Valentine's Day or Loventine's Day is here. Thirdly, Elon Musk, whose comment on other tweet tweets reach millions of viewers... Not to mention his main tweets that have tens of millions of viewers has tweeted. Many small things were starting to make use of neural nets for vehicle navigation and control, not just vision. Answer to somebody who asked him, how is FSD beta V11.3 going? whereby FSD is Tesla's autonomous driving software, and it stands for full self-driving capability. Our commentary. It's amazing to see such an insightful comment from Elon about the machine learning part of his software. Yes, neural networks usually were used in computer vision, but using networks for navigation and control means probably that Tesla's autonomous driving will be better than of all competition. Wowza. Just a tweet from Elon gets him so high up in the AI.cooking news thing. Just a tweet. We go from like poor people sexually attracted being abused by chat GPT stuff to a tweet from Elon. In other news, TechCrunch is reporting, Alphabet Robotics Division Intrinsic hit with layoffs. It's a new year, but the industry's struggles are showing no signs of abating. Big firms are as susceptible, if not more so. This week, Alphabet joined the growing list of tech giants making staff cuts amid ongoing economic struggles. Following a wave of layoffs from the likes of Amazon, Meta, and Salesforce, Alphabet has begun letting people go. The company's Other Bets division is the first to see impact. As the name not so subtly implies, these divisions operate outside key focuses like search and ads, with many of the firms having graduated from the Alphabet X moonshot factory. The operation has taken an almost in-house accelerator-style role. Earlier this week, life science firm Verily got hit with a 15% cut, amounting to around 240 people. Alphabet's robot software firm Intrinsic has also been impacted. It will be laying off 40 employees. TechCrunch has confirmed. Thank you, TechCrunch, for lending us your reporting. Back to work now. Go on, off you go. Thank you. Well, there you go. The the layoffs continue. Uh, All the money coming in can't find its way to the pockets of, of people who can do a job. Sad, really. 
Fifthly, Xinhua University and Zipu.ai Company have published new scientific article entitled GLM-130B, an open bilingual pre-trained model. Abstract: We introduce GLM-130 uh, 130B, a bilingual English and Chinese pre-trained language model with 130 billion parameters. See where they got the 130B from, huh? Hmm? Yeah. It is an attempt to open source a 100B scale, a 100 billion scale model. At least as good as GPT three. <laughs> well, that's not saying much, considering what we've got to come a little bit later in this episode, <laughs> featuring a clip from some of our favourite podcasters,、uh, our partners over there at PC two point oh podcasting two point oh, and unveil how models of such a scale can be successfully pre-trained. Over the course of this effort, we face numerous unexpected technical and engineering challenges, particularly on loss spikes and disconvergence. In this paper, we introduce the training process of GLM-130B, including its design choices, training strategies for both efficiency and stability, and engineering efforts. The resultant GLM-130B model offers significant outperformance over GPT-3-175B. On a range of popular English benchmarks, while the performance advantage is not observed in OPT 175B and Bloom 176B, it also consistently and significantly outperforms Ernite Titan 3.0 260B, the largest Chinese language model across related benchmarks. Finally, we leverage a unique scaling property of GLM-130B to reach INT4 quantization without quantization-aware training and with almost no performance loss, making it the first among the 100B scale models. More importantly, the property allows its effective inference on four times RTX 3090 24G or eight times RTX 2080 Ti's 11G GPUs, the most ever affordable GPUs required for using 100B scale models. The GLM-130B model weights are publicly accessible, and its code, training logs, related toolkit, and lessons learned are open sourced at https://github.com/thudum/thudm/glm-130b. Sixthly, and in other news, PC World is reporting: Intel and AMD are building AI into PCs. It doesn't matter yet, but it will. 
The rise of consumer-focused artificial intelligence applications like AI art and chat GPT was the most dynamic trend of 2022. But don't get too excited quite yet. Buying new laptops from AMD and Intel with AI functions built in aren't worth you opening your wallet. Given the breakneck pace of AI development, though, they may very well become next year's CES. Here's what's going on. Deep within the confusing mishmash of processor architectures that make up AMD's latest mobile Ryzen chips lies XDNA, the new AI hardware architecture that AMD is launching within the Ryzen Mobile 740 series as Ryzen AI. Think of XDNA as the AI version of RDNA, the foundation of AMD's Radeon graphics cores. Intel has similar plans, though right now it's using a discrete Movidius AI card as a placeholder until its Meteor Lake chips integrate a real AI core. Qualcomm has offered AI technology as part of its ARM-based Snapdragon chips for years, which power most smartphones, but are a niche player in Windows PCs. See, I just think it sounds better. Niche. 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 But are a niche player in... Niche? What is this? We're talking about a 19th century German philosopher or something. Seven! MIT News is reporting. Unpacking the black box to build better AI models. Yeah, let's crack that black box open. When has cracking open a box of any kind ever been uh, had a bad thing happen? We do it every year at Christmas, right? It's got nothing to do with Pandora. When deep learning models are deployed in the real world, perhaps to detect financial fraud from credit card activity or identify cancer in medical images, they are often able to outperform humans. But what exactly are these deep learning models learning? Does a model trained to spot skin cancer in clinical images, for example, actually learn the colours and textures of cancerous tissue? Or is it flagging some other features or patterns? These powerful machine learning models are typically based on artificial neural networks that can have millions of nodes that process data to make predictions. Due to their complexity, researchers often call these models black boxes, because even the scientists who build them don't understand everything that is going on under the hood. Under the hood. In the hood. Well, you got to know what's going on in your hood, man. That's, that's no bueno if you don't know what's, not, what's, what's going on in your hood. Stay connected to your surroundings, peeps. Stephanie Jagelka isn't satisfied with that black box explanation. There we go. Come on, Stephanie. Step up to the plate, girl. You can do this. 
a newly tenured associate professor in the MIT Department of Electrical Engineering and Computer Science, Jagelka is digging deep into deep learning to understand what these models can learn and how they behave and how to build certain prior information into these models. It'd probably just crack it open and the thing would be talking in tongues. It'd just be going... And then we'll have a whole new set of questions. The questions never end. Ah, there you go. Are you halfway done? Are you halfway full? Nom, 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 nom. Nom, 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 number eight. Ars Technica is reporting. Apple rolls out AI-narrated audiobooks, and it's probably the start of a trend. Here you go. Anyone focusing on trends? Apple's digital storefronts now offer audiobooks recorded by artificial narrators instead of humans in a sound booth. The audiobooks are listed in the Books app as Narrated by Apple Books. Clicking on the information icon next to that line brings up a text box that clarifies the book is narrated by... A digital voice based on a human narrator. There are multiple digital voices across the Apple Books library, with names like Madison or Jackson. But each book is offered with just one of them. We listened to an hour each of two digitally narrated titles. The calm tones were clear and mostly benign, and they could be mistaken for real human voices with a short listen. We did hear some anomalies, though. For example, an odd pronunciation of the city San Antonio. And obviously, the neutral and emotionless voices (laughs) are not... Replacements for styles of human audiobook narration that can be passionate performances. Oh, hi, ya ya. me douche, my friends. Yeah. Hmm. This has come up a little bit, isn't it, about the soulless aspect of the AI? Uh, but it's just spinning up. It's it's not. It's not hit full velocity as of yet it's coming i'm sure our commentary we will never use ai to narrate our podcast so job of king of kent is secure yes he means me my job is secure (laughs) my volunteer work is secure (laughs) to be fair (laughs) i think i'm a the perfect candidate to be training up these these algo these algos, giving them some passionate performances. Just bring me into the fold, guys. I will take care of it all for you, and then you'll look back and go, "We're glad he turned up." <laughs> it's just you know the this whole soul thing with AI, and you can spot its work because it doesn't have that human. That human fallibility. It has machine fallibility. It's going to be a moot point, is all I'm saying. 
Number nine. Tech Crunches reporting. Again, we've gone back to our fave, our fave babes, Tech Crunch. FPGA startup Rapid Silicon lands $15 million to bring its first chip to market. Field Programmable Gate Arrays, or FPGA, or Integrated Circuits Sold Off the Shelf are a hot topic in tech. <laughs> hot topic in tech, everyone! Because they're relatively affordable and can be programmed for a range of use cases. They've caught on particularly in the AI and machine learning space, where they've been used to accelerate the training of AI systems. The global FPGA market size could reach $14 billion by 2028, according to one estimate, up from $6 billion in 2021. One startup looking to get in on the ground floor is Rapid Silicon which this week announced that it's raised $15 million in a Series A round led by Cambium Capital. Launched in 2021, the goal with Rapid Silicon is to promote, adopt, and implement open-source tech to address the low-to-mid-range FPGA market, according to CEO and co-founder Naveed Sharwani. Double figures number 10. Reuters is reporting. Microsoft in talks to invest 10 billion in chat GPT owner OpenAI. 10 billion. They're going to cough up for that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Microsoft Corporation is in talks to invest $10 billion in chat GPT owner OpenAI as part of funding that will value the firm at $29 billion. Semaphore reported on Monday, citing people familiar with the matter. There you go. That's what happens when you report through Reuters on Reuters reporting through Semaphore, you get people familiar with the matter. And see there? That was uh, case in point. Where have we seen that before? I don't know. Anyone read the India Times? Hmm? Mm. The news underscores rising interest in the artificial intelligence company, whose chatbot has dazzled amateurs and industry experts with its ability to spit out haikus, debug code, and answer questions while imitating human speech. Our commentary... Since OpenAI itself is not private and thus not available on stock markets, maybe indirect way to invest in OpenAI is to buy Microsoft stock. Oh, oh, stop the tape. Oh, let me go get Horowitz. Ugh. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk, along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Thank you, Andrew. We don't know, but it looks like OpenAI and Google's deep mind will be leaders of the AI future. Well, best of luck to us, if that's the case. My word. Legs 11. 
British commie rag, The Guardian, that was opposing Brexit, is now reporting about teachers having new enemy, chat GPT. Lecturers urged to review assessments in UK amid concerns over new AI tool. Chat GPT is capable of producing high-quality essays with minimal human input. <laughs> so the job of a teacher is now to judge souls. Ha <laughs> Careful what you wish for, academia. <laughs> Chat GPT, the latest chatbot from OpenAI, founded in 2015 by Elon Musk, Sam Altman, and others, has only been publicly available for a matter of weeks, but has already triggered concerns about the potential for hard-to-detect plagiarism and questions about the validity of the essay as a future form of assessment. It has been described as a game-changer that will prove a challenge in universities and schools. Though GCSE and A-level courses are assessed through traditional end-of-course examinations, experts are concerned pupils who use the technology to do their homework will become dependent on AI-generated answers without acquiring the knowledge and skills they need. Well, so look, that's quite a lot to unpack there, but what I would say is that education is loaded twaddle. Nobody remembers that stuff, and if you do, you do it when you do it in practice. You are what you do, so if you do something in practice, you will remember it. And anything you learn at school, you're doing it because you're doing it at the time, but then as soon as you stop doing it, it becomes very difficult to access it because you're not doing it no more. You're now doing something else. Every day's a school day. You can learn something new every day. You could learn multiple new things every day. Keep working on yourselves, guys. Working groups have been set up in university departments to assess the challenge of this latest iteration of AI text generating technology, with the expectation that the methods of assessment in certain courses will have to be updated. Let's have a meeting about it. That'll work. Experts admit to feeling both excited and alarmed. <laughs> Excited and alarmed. The new dazed and confused. Ah! One dozen news articles in, we have Carnegie Mellon University, which has published a new scientific paper entitled Pre-Train, Prompt and Predict a systematic survey of prompting methods in natural language processing. And the abstract of this paper is... This paper surveys and organizes research works in a new paradigm in natural language processing, which we dub prompt-based learning. Unlike traditional supervised learning, which trains a model to take in a input X and predict an output Y, such as P, open parenthesis, Y, X, close parenthesis, 
prompt-based learning is based on language models that model the probability of text directly. To use these models to perform prediction tasks, the original input X is modified using a template into a textual string prompt X that has some unfilled slots. Oh, you could you could swap out one of those vowels in that. <laughs> well, the vowel in that second word there. Mm. This is like the the sexy episode. And then the language model is used to probabilistically fill the unfilled information to obtain a final string X, from which the final output Y can be derived. This framework is powerful and attractive for a number of reasons. It allows the language model to be pre-trained on massive amounts of raw text, and by defining a new prompting function, the model is able to perform few-shot or even zero-shot learning, adapting to new scenarios with few or no labeled data. In this paper, we introduce the basics of this promising paradigm, Describe a unified set of mathematical notations that can cover a wide variety of existing work and organize existing work along several dimensions, e.g. the choice of pre-training models, prompts, and tuning, and tuning strategies. To make the field more accessible to interested beginners, we not only make a systematic review of existing works and a highly structured typology of prompt-based concepts, but also release other resources, e.g. a website. Have you heard of those? You heard of one of those? The websites? E.g. <laughs> HTTP colon forward slash forward slash pretrain dot N-L-P-E-D-I-A dot A-I. N-L-P-E-D-I-A? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, yeah. Including constantly updated survey and paper list. Yes. Yes, get your survey and paper list as well as the website. <laughs> A baker's dozen. 12 plus 1. COVID vaccine maker. BioNTech which is the subsidiary of Pfizer Corporation, will use AI to design vaccines. Oh, that's really not going to help encourage people to take your product. At least it's more ammunition in the ongoing, never-ending fight for bodily autonomy that we face every day. BioNTech to acquire... Insta deep, insta deep, insta deep. It's not the worst. I have to say, it's not the worst. To strengthen pioneering position in the field of AI-powered drug discovery, design, and development. Oh, oh, oh. she. The very definition of 
sweeping it under the rug. Acquisition to enable creation of a fully integrated enterprise-wide capability to discover, design, and develop next-generation immunotherapies at scale by leveraging artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies across BioNTech's therapeutic platforms and operations builds on multi-year strategic collaboration between BioNTech and InstaDeep, which included the formation of an AI innovation lab in 2020 and completion of dozens of joint projects. Acquisition expected to add approximately 240 highly skilled professionals. Well, good job there's a there's a cull of highly skilled professionals on <laughs> in the industry. I'm sure you'd be able to scalp 240 of those recently fired other people. <laughs> and a global network of research partners in the fields of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and data science based in the world's leading global technology hubs. BioNTech to pay an upfront consideration of approximately £362 million in cash and BioNTech shares to acquire 100% of remaining InstaDeep shares following BioNTech's Series B investment in 2022. InstaDeep to operate globally from London headquarters as a BioNTech company post-closing, which is expected in the first half of 2023, subject to regulatory approval. I'm sure those palms are greased enough to make that happen. Well, that was your penultimate news article. Not very encouraging to end on the fact that vaccines are now going to be produced by AI. Uh, at least you guys got chat GPT to go and query. <laughs> hey, maybe someone should ask it whether it's a good idea to take the old uh, accept the wet gene into their lives. Hmm? Uh, I don't know. Hate to prompt any of you guys. <laughs> See what I did there? Lastly, 14. Wall Street Journal is reporting. Cloud Google introduces shelf inventory AI tool for retailers. An image database of more than a billion products helps power the tool. Oh. Hmm. No. I bet that's not really going to help me, though, is it, in my pubs? Ah, I'd really love my own personal AI just Jeeves, I guess the what's his name? Vision from the Marvel thing. A Jasper. Uh, you know, I don't, well I can't remember what the there's an open source one that's not very good. They're like a personalized thing. I'm sure you could do that. I should put more effort into it really, but I'm a busy man. What can you do? There's TV show development money out there and I want to grab some. <laughs> I don't want to grab some. I would like to grab some. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's coming. It's coming. I can smell it. It's coming. Google Cloud said it has developed a new artificial intelligence tool designed to help big box retailers better track the inventory on their shelves, aiming to improve a technology that has struggled to work well in the past. Hmm. Yeah, it's not really arrived yet, the old, yeah, that, that sort of thing, but... 
I mean, you just deliver the packages and then they get stolen off of the porches of the people who they're meant to be delivered to. Right. Google said Friday its algorithm can recognize and analyze the availability of consumer packaged goods products on shelves from videos and images provided by the retailer's own ceiling-mounted cameras and camera-equipped self-driving robots or store associates. <laughs> I think the store associates self-drive as well let's let's be self-driving inclusive in, on this one <laughs> the tool which is now in preview will become broadly available in the coming months it said alphabet incorporated's cloud business unveiled the technology along with a series of artificial intelligence tools aimed at e-commerce ahead of the National Retail Federation Conference in New York City. Now it's, uh, yep, yeah, now AI's in the, uh, in, the sh in the shops on the shelves. There you go. Right! History Corner! This time, let's talk in hist- Come over here to the cor- Oh, I could do a thing, couldn't I? Come into the corner. We're now in the corner. We've left the main room. We're in the corner. Step into the corner with me. That's our footsteps. Walk into the corner. It's hard flooring. I know, it shouldn't be for a studio. It should be carpet. Oh, and then I could do a real up-close kind of bit of an NPR-y thing. Should we try that? Let's try that this time. This time... Let's talk in History Corner about neural networks. The idea of neural networks began unsurprisingly as a model of how neurons in the brain function, termed connectionism, and used connected circuits to simulate intelligent behavior. In 1943, Portrayed with a simple electrical circuit by neurophysiologist Warren McCulloch and mathematician Walter Pitts. Walter Pitts. Ugh, what a guy. Love that name. Donald Hebb took the idea further in his book, The Organization of Behavior, 1949, proposing that neural pathways strengthen over each successive use especially between neurons that tend to fire at the same time, thus beginning the long journey towards quantifying the complex processes of the brain. Two major concepts that are precursors to neural networks are threshold logic, converting continuous input to discrete output, Hebbian learning, a model of learning based on neural plasticity, proposed by Donald Hebb in his book The Organization of Behavior, often summarized by the phrase, cells that fire together, wire together. Aww. That's cute. Makes me all sort of hopeful for life. Both proposed in the 1940s. 
In 1950s, as researchers began trying to translate these networks onto computational systems, the first Hebbian network was successfully implemented at MIT in 1954. Yeah, a long time they had skin in the game, old MIT. Around this time, Frank Rosenblatt, a psychologist at Cornell, was working on understanding the comparatively simpler decision systems present in the eye of a fly. Oh, the eye of a fly. Hmm. Gets it all a flutter, doesn't it? Which underlie and determine its flea response. In an attempt to understand and quantify this process, he proposed the idea of a perceptron. Whoa, that's how they were invented. That's the origin story of the perceptrons, guys. Whoa. In 1958. Wow, cool, man. Calling it Mark I Perceptron. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got our Iron Man here. We've got a Mark I Perceptron. Yo. Oh, it was a system with a simple input-output relationship, modelled on a McCullough-Pitts neuron, proposed in 1943 by Warren S. McCulloch, a neuroscientist, and Walter Pitts, a logician, to explain the complex decision processes in a brain using a linear threshold gate. A McCullough-Pitts neuron takes in inputs, takes a weighted sum and returns zero if the result is below threshold, and one otherwise. <sighs> These guys, logician, magician, hmm? A McCulloch-Pitts neuron. The beauty of Mark I Perceptron lay in the fact that its weights would be learned through successively past inputs, while minimizing the difference between desired and actual output. Okay. It's a beautiful Mark I Perceptron. Beautiful, mate. So beautiful. First known implementation of a Mark I Perceptron. The machine was connected to a camera that used 20 by 20 cadmium sulfide photocells to produce a 400 pixel image. <laughs> Back in the day, we had 400 pixels. The main visible feature is a patchboard that allowed experimentation with different combinations of input features. To the right of that are arrays of potentiometers. Wow. So the perceptrons and the potentiometers. Wow, wow, wow. What a word. <sighs> that implemented the adaptive weights. A major drawback... This perceptron could only learn to separate linearly separable classes, making the simple but non-linear exclusive or circuit an insurmountable barrier. 
despite the messy and somewhat dissatisfactory advent of the use of machine learning to quantify decision systems apart from the brain, today's artificial neural networks are nothing more than several layers of these perceptrons. Oh, that's how it all started. That's why we're in history corner. I've read in history corner. Come with me. I'll take you to history corner. Things started moving quickly for neural networks around this time. And in 1959 at Stanford, Bernard Widrow and Marcian Hoff developed the first neural network successfully applied to a real world problem. These systems were named Adeline and Madeline, after their use of multiple adaptive linear elements, the latter of which was specifically designed to eliminate noise in telephone lines and still remains in use today. Hmm. That is interesting. Madeline on the telephone line. Okay. These artificial neurons, however, were different from perceptrons in what they returned as output, which in this case was the weighted input. As is the case with every small improvement in AI technology in history ever, these early successes gave rise to an increasing hype on the ability and potential of neural networks while researchers were coming up against one roadblock after another. At the peak of the hype around these thinking machines, NY Times published this article on the potential of neural networks while this video was released around the same time. The video that we can't see? Just, just go with me. Bear with me, okay? It's a podcast. Engage your, imagi- your station imagination, huh? Just at least for like the next 20 minutes. I don't know how long it'll take. As with the several close calls before, we were still nowhere close to spewing conscious man-made beings as much as we've always loved to believe, or fear depends how you look at it. That's, that's quite insightful, because we, you know, the artificial intelligent term gets thrown around left right and center these days and sentience and and the way that it something like chat gpt for instance is is mimicking a human response and perhaps we would love to believe that it is sentient because we do personify things i mean dogs are humans too now right and little kids do it all the time with their teddies, their soft toys, their toys, stuffies, whatever you want to call them. Stuffy. Ugh. Ugh. Sounds disgusting. One of the problems that arose was with the impractically long run times required for running these networks, given that this was the 60s, apart from its inability to learn simple Boolean exclusive or circuits. 
all this came to an end in 1969 with the publication of a book, Perceptrons, by Marvin Minsky, founder of the MIT AI Lab, and Seymour Papert, director of the lab. The book conclusively argued that the Rosenblatt's single perception approach to neural networks could not be translated effectively into multi-layered neural networks to evaluate the correct relative values of the weights of the neurons spread across layers based on the final output would take several, if not infinite number of iterations, and would take a very long time to compute. Minsky, in his text, laid out these and other problems with neural nets, and effectively led the larger scientific community, and, most importantly, the funding establishments, to the conclusion that further research in this direction was to lead nowhere. Ah, Minsky, you, you spite the bull, bro. What did you learn? What did you have? Did you have a vision? Did you need to bring it all down? Well, you didn't, did you? Still going. Mm. The effect of this text was powerful and dried up funding to an extent that, for the next 10 to 12 years, no one at the largest research institutions at the time, and thereby the smaller ones too, would take on any project that had the doomed neural networks as its premise. The age now famously referred to as... The AI winter had begun. The thawing of this decade-long winter began in 1982 at the National Academy of Sciences when John Hopfield presented his paper on what came to be known as Hopfield Net while the same year, at the US-Japan Conference on Cooperative Competitive Neural Networks, Japan announced its intention to begin its fifth-generation effort on neural networks. This got the funding to start flowing again from the coffers of a nation afraid to be left behind. Soon, the American Institute of Physics, in 1985, established a Neural Networks in Computing annual meeting, followed by the first International Conference on Neural Networks by the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers, or IEEE, in 1987. I feel like I should have like some sort of mock-up of the Terminator theme tune in the background whilst I'm reading this. <laughs> so I've got in my head... Da -da 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 -da. Right, let's not do any more before we get sued. It was, however, a major rediscovery of a concept already in existence since the 60s that helped neural nets get out of its premature grave. Backpropagation 
a method devised by researchers since the 60s and continuously developed on well into the AI winter, was an intuition-based method that attributed reducing significance to each event as one went farther back in the chain of events. The first person to see their potential for neural nets and solving the question of how that would be translated for MLPs was Paul Werbos, who, inspired partly by its application to the human mind and Freud's work on backward flow of credit assignment, wrote a Ph.D. thesis expounding their importance. However, this work wasn't noticed by anyone in the community until Parker published a report on his work at MIT in 1985. It was only after being re-rediscovered by Rummelhart, Hinton and Williams, and republished in a clear and detailed framework that the technique took over the community by storm. The same authors also addressed the specific drawbacks laid out by Minsky in his 1969 publication in a later text. There you go. Hate is going to hate. But even they came to the conclusion of Minsky. Hmm? But that didn't lead to another AI winter, or did it? Maybe that's a story for another time. Back propagation, along with gradient descent forms, the backbone and powerhouse of neural networks. While gradient descent constantly updates and moves the weights and bias towards the minimum of the cost function, backpropagation evaluates the gradient of the cost, WRT, weights and biases, the magnitude and direction of which is used by gradient descent to evaluate the size and direction of the corrections to weights and bias parameters. And thus, by 1990s, neural networks were definitely back, baby this time truly catching the imagination of the world and finally coming to par with, if not overtaking, its expectations. Yet again, we are asking the same questions of AI and projecting onto it our all-too-human fears. And yet... We are farther than we think from bowing in deference to our digital overlords. And that's it, for now. But in the future, we will return to the history of neural networks yet. Yeah, more to be discovered as time goes by. That was a good history corner. I quite like stepping into that corner. But would you mind following me over here to the knowledge corner? Yeah? 
Yeah, it's just over here. Yeah. Right, yeah. I'll stand up on this plinth here and uh, you guys will sit down in those rows and we'll get started with our knowledge corner section. <clears throat> right, so today's lesson, uh, well, we've got a, a bit of a free period actually. So any questions? Any questions? Oh, oh, you at the back there? You got a question? Oh, what, what's that? What is robosexuality? Uh, what is robosexuality? Okay, well, the, we could talk about a bit about robosexuality if you like. Uh, I'm I'm no gender major, but I I certainly have um, I've listened to a lot of no agenda, which I think kind of makes me a bit of an expert on the on the subject. If we just ignore the spelling. Since our listener from No Agenda Social, who uses Mastodon handle, Hylia Crater, reacted with, She's hot! Comment about AI-generated robot image. It inspired us to explain that there are people who are actually attracted to robots also in this way. Robosexuality is where a person is sexually attracted to machines, such as robots. This is going to lead to some fairly NSFW show art. The word robosexuality comes from combining the words robot and sexual. In case you didn't notice... <laughs> Robosexuality is different from mechaniophilia and technosexuality, but they can still be interconnected. Oh, we don't even go on to explain what those are. Mechaniophilia? Ooh. Technosexuality? Well, that, that sounds a little bit better than mechanophilia. Ooh, uh. Should I do like a sexy teacher thing for this? A person who is sexually attracted to robots can be referred to as a robosexual. A person who is a robosexual may have different gender preferences than another person who is robosexual robosexuality can be used as an umbrella term to describe the sexual attraction to robots of any kind whether they are human like or not many prefer a robot with conscience and emotion or even the illusion to it. Robosexuality in the world. Robosexuality in the East. Roughly 50% of all the robots in the world are in Asia, 32% in Europe, and 16% in North America. 1% in Australia, and 1% in Africa. 40% of all robots in the world are found in... Japan. <laughs> I see where we're going with this one. In Japan and South Korea, 
ideas of future robots have been mainly positive. The number of robots in Japan means more people in Japan are likely to have a love of gadgets. Manga and anime series in both countries often show love or sex between robots and humans. This would mean more robosexuality. Japanese religious beliefs allow the idea that robots have souls. This also makes the idea of love between humans and robots more acceptable or ordinary. Oh, I'm really pushing this thing. This is a good voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Slow down, cock now. <laughs> Rain that cock in here. By cock, I am called, referring to the King of Kent acronym. If you're not aware of it by now, you should be. Robosexuality in the West. The idea of physical sexuality is less accepted in the West than in Japan. Oh, not cool, baby. Western societies are more likely to be against or even fear the development of robots. This is because a lot of films and books show robots as replacing humans instead of helping them. Real Doll is a life-size sex doll sold in America. That can be sold with robotic implants. People who feel sexually attracted or have sex with these are robosexual. I mean, I've heard of every hole's a goal, I guess. Make your own holes. But, uh, yeah, trust, trust the Americans to make it sexy. Sex it up. Good work, guys. Good work. You, you you took the talky stick and you and you really ran with it. And now we have a satchel of Richards. Yeah. Hmm. Men who have sex with robots. Or, or yeah, just, just people who have sex with robots. However, one important thing to notice is that this American machine does not move and think by itself unlike their Japanese and South Korean counterparts. Well, they really ran with the mail-order bride thing over there in Asia. You gotta hand it to them. And that's it for this episode. Stay safe, club, and stay dangerous, hilariously heuristic heroes. Wait! Hold the phone before you go. Wait! Don't go just yet. Uh, if you're already gone, then you're missing out because I forgot to put this in. This this is the clip. 
the clip for uh, from Podcasting 2.0, where they hilarious. We'll just finish on this clip. This will be our end of show ISO. All right, it's just a ISO that's going to be minutes long, however long I want to make it. Basically, uh, bonus clip. We'll treat it as a bonus. Yes, uh, for, uh, which is kind of apt considering this is our bonus episode. <laughs> I had such fun using that sexy voice when I went inside to the missus and I said to her, hi, darling. <laughs> she looked at me and she said, put the washing on, babe. <laughs> so I come out here to sling the, because um, the tumble dryer is in the lean studio. I mean, it's what powers the whole thing. So, And then I remembered this clip. So here it is. Enjoy. Oh, and I'll see you in two weeks. So have a have a lovely time. Have a lovely two weeks, and I and I'll see you right back here. Okay. I was thinking because the other podcast. Well, sorry to go on here, but I was thinking the other podcasts. They've got their thing, haven't they? The little feedback between them and the producers because they call them something. Uh, what can we call you guys? Oh, I know. Let's call you bits. And then when you donate, you get. Well, you start off as the small bites, but then you could turn into megabytes and kilobytes and yada yada. That'll be our peerage system. All right. It has been decreed. Right. Now, this clip, because this is actually quite funny, and I might even comment on it at the end. I don't know. Probably will. You know me. Like the sound of my own voice. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is just a bit set up. This is Adam Curry, the podfather, querying chat GPT three about ai dot cooking to see whether the ai that we talk about knows about us <laughs> i just entered ai period cooking which would be the correct uh, uh ai dot cooking and uh, here's what ChatGPT said. I apologize for my previous confusion. AI.cooking is a podcast that focuses on the intersection of AI and culinary arts. <laughs> the podcast is hosted by Saren Soilu who is a researcher and developer with a background in artificial intelligence, robotics, and machine learning. The episodes focus on a wide range of topics, such as the use of AI and recipe generation, kitchen automation, and the future of food. The podcast is available on various platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. <laughs> this is bullcrap. That's not even true. This podcast doesn't exist. Oh, let's see. AI.cooking. I mean, that, that's supposed to take us to Goof's thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the only AI I look up on podcast index AI. If I look up AI cooking. Yeah. I get AI. I get CSB's podcast, and I get some French thing that doesn't make any sense. That is incorrect. Yeah. It's, Here it's is the podcast. I'll do the URL. Give it to it there. Okay. Yes, this is garbage. This is so, this is going to fail so bad. This is going to. I'm, I'm closing this out. This is annoying me. M make sure I never do that again. Okay, please you never do that. Please. again. I'm never going to do this. Again. Stick in your pie hole. Oh please! I'm I, I'm so sad. I even started this today. I apologize, to everybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm obsessed with how shitty it is. I think that's it. Yeah, it's, it's like watching a train wreck. I wanted I want to discredit it. Yeah, I want to discredit it all the time as much as I can. You're doom scrolling. <clears throat> this is the audio equivalent of doom scrolling. <laughs> It's very awkward for me because I'm sitting here going, oh, please notice me, Mr. AI. Could you please notice me over here? Give me some of your billions, please. 
It's coming. I'm sure it's coming. I feel it. I stay positive about these things. That's the mindset to have. Singularity is near. Yo.